Everybody, ready? We're ready, we got your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Um, we, I want to explain why we're, we're kind of on this topic, because, you know, a lot of times I hear people say, I feel like we talk about a lot of the same stuff a lot. And, um, and we do, and there's a reason. There's two things that, that we've been praying for as a church this year. Um, our prayer team has been working on it, and we're meeting with our elders on it, but um, two things. Like once you recognize that the resurrection's real and, and there's a, a power behind that and the Holy Spirit wants to use us and He's alive in us, um, there are two pieces that will help sustain our lives. Number one is you've got to understand that you and I have been empowered to do the work of the gospel. We have been empowered. We have been entrusted and given these gifts, these skills um, for us to be able to use and utilize for us to be carriers of the gospel. And it lets you understand the empowerment piece. Your spiritual life just kind of sits in one spot. The other piece of that is to understand the empowerment. What am, so if, knowing that we're empowered brings up questions like, well, what do I do? How do I do it? What's my ministry? What has God gifted me with? Well, you're going to have to understand what prayer is. So there has to be this constant communication between you and God. And, and we've talked about prayer even um, a couple of weeks ago. We, we were in our series about our Father. And my prayer for you over these next few weeks is that you will do me a favor and just completely strip down everything that you've ever learned about prayer. Just throw it out. Just bear with me, okay? Just throw it out. And let's go back and relook at it. Because here's what I've learned, is that when we were kids, we were taught to say our prayers, Right? Now I like me down to anybody? Pray the Lord. Did I not freak anybody out as a kid? Wait, am I not waking up? <laughs> it's like, time out, God. Um, I don't know if I want to pray this. Or, or uh, God is great. God is, let us sink him for our food, right? Or uh, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. You heard that one. We, we've had all these prayers that we've learned and we've memorized. And as we got older, our prayer lives have really never really changed because nobody really taught us how to pray. We just learned memorization. So, so how do you really pray? Because there's a point where we pray childhood prayers, but as we have matured and become adults, our prayer lives should not sound like that of our kids' prayers. I wrote down a couple of kids' prayers this week that I read online. I thought these were interesting. Um, these are all from, um, from a third grade class. Uh, this little girl says, dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I wanted was a puppy. So she did not get what she had prayed for. Or, dear God, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that, or was that an accident? It's a very good question. Dear God, I went to this wedding. They kissed in the church. Is that okay? And my favorite one, dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all these people in the world. There are four people in my family, and I can never do it. And sometimes that's our prayers, right? Like we, we pray and sometimes we get frustrated in our prayers because we prayed and God didn't really answer the prayer. And sometimes we just surrender and we stop praying because it's like, well, what's, what's the point? If, let's be honest. It's a place of honesty and transparency. Anybody besides me have ever asked the question, why pray? What's the whole point of this? Why even do this? Because anybody just bravely pray. Why pray? I prayed. It didn't work. Why continue this? Right? And so it's, it's a constant struggle of why, why to do this if I don't feel like my prayers are being answered. Now, there are some prayers that get answered. Um, 
I don't know, you probably prayed for that parking space to open up and then lo and behold, there was a parking space wide open. Um, that's not really your prayer been answered. That's just going to happen anyway because eventually somebody's going to come and move that car from that parking space. You know what I mean? Or I'm praying to God that I would find my lost car keys. Y'all pray that one a lot? Just me. Okay. You're going to find your car key. So it's like we, we, throw these, um, we throw these easy prayers of things that are going to happen anyway. You're going to get the parking space. You're going to find your keys. And what, what God is calling us to is to develop this prayer life that has 100% dependency on Him. And so we know that we're supposed to pray. So maybe we're just not doing it right. You ever had that thought? Let me, let me illustrate this. One day, Jesus is with his disciples. And so he's modeled this life before them. And he's praying. And when he's done praying, there was something about that prayer that one of the disciples comes to him and he says in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Lord, could you teach us how to do what you just did? Now, when you read that, you would think, well, they didn't know how to pray, so they're just asking for the first time, how do we do this? Now, I want you to understand something. These disciples were Jewish men. They grew up around prayer. They knew what prayer was. They had to do this. They would go to the temple. They would say prayers for their cleansing. So prayer was not something that was abnormal. But here's what I think happened. There was something in that moment that moved them to go where our prayers don't sound like that. There was something different about the way that Jesus prays and because of that, it, it, it caused them to say, Lord, can you please teach us how to pray? I think the disciples had concluded in their minds that we should be praying, but we're not praying in the right way. There's something different between what Jesus is doing and what we're doing. Because in the past, they had been praying Old Testament writings. They're praying the Psalms. They're praying prayers that they had, remember, that they had memorized in the synagogue. It's just repetitive prayers, praying the same things over and over and over, the prayers that they were taught as kids, things that they had memorized. And they were saying to Jesus, we want to pray like you. Now, have you ever asked someone to teach you how to pray? How did you learn how to pray? I can tell you, I learned how to pray by listening to people who prayed. And there was sometimes that I would hear people pray and go, wow, that's intimidating. I can't do that, right? And then you had people that would speak normal English and then when they went into prayer, the KJV, the King James Version just came out, God, thou is, oh, and I was like, I can't pray like that either. And it just felt convoluted of, well, if I can't pray like them, then how am I supposed to pray to God because I don't have all this knowledge. I don't have all this understanding. Nobody really teaches us how to pray. It's almost like an assumption when, when a person becomes a follower of Jesus, two things happen. They tell you, all right, great. You gave your life to Christ today. Here's the Bible. Read it. And then they flip over to the book of Leviticus and they're really, really confused on what's going on in the world. And then we tell them, and then you got to talk to this heavenly being as if that's not intimidating at all. Yeah, the guy who gave his son for you, the guy who spoke in the world was created, just go have a conversation with him. And it's an intimidating process, and we don't know how to do it because we've never been taught how to pray. 
And so they, they were just doing what they had been taught. But there again, there was something on this day in Luke chapter 11 that triggered it of going, Lord, would you teach us how to do that? Would you teach us how to do that? Now, here's, here's where I want your heart to be this morning. When you strip away everything you know about prayer, because sometimes you can't learn what you already know. You're going to have to unlearn some things when it comes to prayer. I'm, I'm unlearning some things. But you're going to have to posture yourself to say this prayer. Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me. Because I would venture to say, if we hear from the voice of God on how to do this, our prayer life changes. And we don't walk away with a bunch of disappointments feeling like God did not answer our prayer. Because if we were honest, we would say that it seems like sometimes only a few of our prayers get answered. Like maybe we prayed some big ones and God didn't come through. And perhaps there was a series of nothing happening in our prayers that we finally got to a place to say, just not worth doing it. There's no need for me to pray for that. Because God didn't answer the last four things I asked. So he's probably not going to ask this one. And he's going to do whatever he wants, however he wants. So what's the point? What's the point? And, and, and I understand and I wrestle with that same thing and have wrestled with that. And, and I want you to feel not judged if that's where you are. My goal is to help get you past that today to begin having this open conversation with the Father. Jesus' first century followers, they grew up, like I said, they were praying. They were watching him pray. They noted that his prayers were different and Jesus was more intimate. He was less scripted. It was just kind of honest. Have you been around those people that when they've prayed, you're like, man, that was that was not anything sophisticated, but that was just wonderful. Like it was beautiful. Like think about the people that you go and ask, can you pray for me? There's some people that I specifically will go and I will give prayers to and like, can you pray for me? Because just the way that they pray is so simple. It's not anything sophisticated. But I think a lot of times we try to complicate the prayer process. That, oh, I've, I've got to use all these fancy words or got to have this thing. And if I don't do it right, God's not going to answer the prayer. Right? Like this week I had the, the, um, the privilege to go and pray for Relay for Life. And I struck out over praying at Relay for Life. And I'm trying to like, what, what do I need to pray? How do I need to pray this? And when I got up there to pray, I just felt like I was a bumbling idiot trying to pray because I could not get my words together in my mind because I had overly thought this process because what I realized after the fact and my conviction sitting in my car on the way home was nobody asked you to go and give an elegant prayer they just wanted you to pray over the people that were there but I complicated isn't it true that oftentimes when we pray we complicate the process and this is what Jesus is trying to show them that you're complicating the process so what he does is he models what prayer is, and eventually they ask the question, can you teach us how to do that? Can you teach us how to do it? And Jesus says, I thought you would never ask. So in typical Jesus fashion, instead of teaching them how to pray, he gives them two things that they're not to do. So before he gets down to our Father, here's two things that you're not supposed to do. And this is where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is a very fascinating um, passage. When Matthew writes this, he's, he's really going after um, the way that we handle ourselves as believers that uh, end of the day, you could, you could sum all Matthew chapter six, uh, 6 up by saying this, um, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. Um, when you give to the poor, you don't need to have a big fanfare and post about it and talk about it and celebrate it and make it a really big deal because it's not about you. 
It's about God using you to help the poor and the needy. And he talks about that in the first couple of verses. And then he shifts, and he uses that word hypocrite in that too, by the way. And then he shifts from like making these big spectacles to talking to them to answer the question on teaching us how to pray. And, and he says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, or 5 and 6, he says this. And when you pray, that's important. So should we be praying? Absolutely. Even if the results aren't what we think and God has, we just felt like there's been a bunch of, bunch of nothings to our prayer. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by other people. But truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Remember that word, reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret. And your Father who sees you in the secret, what does it say? He's going to do what? He's going to reward you. The hypocrites get their reward when they stand out on the street corners and make a spectacle of this. And you as well get an award when you go in behind closed doors. See, what God's saying is the reward that the hypocrites are going to get, the, the ones that want to stand on the street corner, and, and listen, it says they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corner. They like to be seen. Look what I'm doing. And Jesus says, well, they get their reward. But it ain't from the Father. Because what they're striving for is not for God to go, look at you, that is awesome. Look at your obedience. Look at your surrender. What he's doing is going, oh, this is about you. Okay, well, your reward is the praise of the people. So you, you'll live and die by the praise of the people. So if you want to stand out and you want to make yourself look good, then do that. But just know that the Father has nothing to do with that. So their reward it's not a heavenly reward. Their reward is that, that it, it's, it's all them. It's all the praise of other people. And you know how it is that people will praise you in one moment because they were praising Jesus on when he entered into Jerusalem on Holy Week. And then on Friday, they were yelling, crucify him because people's praise will turn to crucify real quick on you if you offend them. And so Jesus is saying here, I have no tolerance for people that are pretenders. They think they're better than everybody else. They want to stand up and make this big show about them and they, you know, all these things. He said all these people that are doing that, they're hiding behind elevated positions to make themselves look good. Do not do that. In other words, he's telling them, you've grown up in this culture and this is what you've always witnessed and this is what you've learned how to pray. Like you're, you're mimicking them. You're just not doing it out in the public. Don't be like them. Don't learn how to pray from them. In other words, Jesus, again, he's saying this. I've used that term in other words. I'm just trying to break this down. He, he's saying, in other words, don't do that. This is where you learned it. Remember, I just told you, forget everything you've learned about prayer. Let's just break it down and start scratch, right? That's what he's telling them to do. We, we got to detox you a little bit. We've got to get the bad out so that you can get a clear picture of what this is. So, he goes, he goes into verse 5 and he tells them that you know, they just want to be seen by other people, but they received their reward because they use their fancy words and their fancy phrases. Listen, God isn't moved by or impressed with public, scripted, perfect prayers. I, just, I don't believe that God goes, all right, oh, I heard your prayer. It was all right. Man, you're sounding fantastic. Could we put that on audio recording and send that out on books of the Bible or something? Like God's not doing that. 
I remember growing up in youth group. Um, we we're in middle school, and our youth pastor said, "Hey, I need somebody to pray. Anybody want to pray to close it out?" You know, like in middle school, when the youth pastor asks you to pray, everybody's head like quick, quickly goes down to not make eye contact. But but my friend Joe, who had been saved all of about three days, raised his hand and said, "I'll pray." And we all just kind of went, "What? This will be interesting." And Joe prayed. He said, God, thank you for being a light, like the light switch on the wall. Amen. Well, A, we wanted Joe to pray again because Joe had the fastest prayer in the world and we were able to get out of there. We were like, Joe needs to pray at all the potlucks. Joe needs to pray to end our service. Like, and even though he had less than 10 seconds of prayer, it was the most genuine prayer that I'd ever heard in my life. Because it was a kid that just stood out there on faith and just said, listen, thank you for being a light for us. Amen. Everybody else laughs. Everybody else joked about it. But Joe was dead serious. But you know what happened? Because it's middle school and middle schoolers are rough. They begin to come after Joe and be like, ah, oh, you didn't know how to pray. And ah, oh, what about a light switch? And ah, oh, it was like five seconds long. You know how many times Joe prayed after that in youth group? Never prayed again. Because in that moment, his innocence and his purity of his prayer was crushed because it didn't meet the religious standard of other middle schoolers. We do that as adults. We will, we will shut down people's prayers. We, we, and then we wonder why we have such a hard time praying and being honest and opening up to receive the transformation that God wants to give us through this communication that we have with him. And of course... We're scared to pray with our middle school classmates because of the criticism. So, of course, I don't know that I want to take my prayers to a, a holy God that knows my inner being and my inner heart. And so we can so quickly squash that and we, and we buy into the fact that God is looking for some kind of scripted, perfect prayer. And if we don't give him that, it's not accepted. Can I just tell you, your father just wants to hear your voice. Tell him your frustrations. Tell him that you're angry about things that are happening. Celebrate with him. Tell him thank you for the things. That he just wants to hear your voice. Don't you want to hear the voice of your kids? Because one day, like parents, our kids that are in our house, they're not going to live with us anymore. And we're going to long for that phone to ring, to hear the voice of our children on the other line. God just wants to hear the voice of his children so that he can communicate with us. And so Jesus is saying, listen, God's not moved by these things. He's not moved by the script. These, these guys are standing out at the church and they're making themselves look good. He's not moved by that. They're just doing it just for people to watch them and their reward's gonna be their attention. But in verse six, he says, but when you pray, they had raised... That, that, that whole phrase, when you pray, that opens up a can of worms for a lot of questions. Well, when do I pray? How often do I pray? Where do I pray? How do I pray? You see, Jesus was giving them very specific things because what he was trying to do was not answer questions necessarily. It was to open up a whole nother section of questions to really dive down deep because they wanted to know this and they, he was going to give them the inside scoop of what it really means to pray. So he says, 
that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you. So when you pray, and all these questions become flooding to these disciples, and I think that they knew that his answers were going to be different from their answers. And as it turns out, God had not answered their prayers either because, see, they grew up in a culture where the number one prayer of Israel was that God would release them from the bondage of all these outside forces. The Assyrians took them over. The Babylonians had taken them over. The Egyptians had taken them over. And then when they were about to be taken over again, they decided, let us go get help from the outside. God told them not to. They did it anyway. And then they asked the Romans, because they were this up-and-coming powerhouse, and they said, can you come and help us to free us? And Rome was like, oh, sure. And then Rome took them over, and they fell into Rome occupation. And they had prayed that God would just let Israel be its nation and go back to where it was, and they just kept falling under oppression after oppression after oppression. And when Jesus is teaching this, they are under the Roman oppression. Their prayers and their family's prayers had not been answered. So they're thinking... Well, he's telling us that when we pray, so maybe, maybe we're not doing it right. Maybe there's something else behind the prayer. Because it has been years and years and years, and they're still finding themselves in this position that God's just not answering them. Now, their religious leaders would tell them that the reason that God's not hearing your prayer is because you're not holy enough, you don't, you're not righteous enough, and that God's not going to answer your prayers because of you. So it is your fault that God is not answering your prayers. So what's the point of praying then, right? If that's the message that you get is that God's not hearing you because of your faults and your problems, then all of us are in trouble. Would you agree with that? We can at least get that common through. Like we are all in trouble because we are sinners. We are forgiven, but we still like to wave at certain people on Ashley Falls Fate and other roads. You know what I mean? We have our faults. And then what happens when we feel like God's not answering our prayers, we'll begin to re reduce God to a vending machine to where anytime that we come before God, it's like if I punch in the secret code, God will answer this prayer and drop out what I want, the blessing. And that's what happens to our prayers when we feel like, okay, well, he's not answering these things, so I'm going to shift. And, and then every time that we come before God, it's all about what we need. God, I need you to do this. And God's going, hey, I didn't get to thank you for uh, this that happened over here. And you didn't, I, this is the first time I heard from you in like a year, right? And he's glad to hear from you. But at the same time, we can, we can take God down to being just some kind of spiritual vending machine to punch in the codes to get what we want and then we're like well we pray and we're doing everything we want to and then we look at these other people we know they ain't praying but they seem to have everything they want you notice that don't sit there and lie about it because you know what i'm talking about you've seen people like god lee i've prayed about that and god didn't do anything but he always gives them a blessing like i know a guy i know a church planner right now he was complaining to me the other day and i said i don't want to hear it you always fall into blessing like always you do it the wrong way, and then God blesses you. And then here we are going, gosh, are we going to get a building, or are we just going to be in the gym for the rest of our lives? Like, what's going to happen here, right? And so we, we can so quickly forget about the provisions that God, God gives us. So back to what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6. He tells them, and I, I, think, I think location of where you pray is important, okay? And I'll tell you why. Because in Matthew chapter 6, he says this. In verse 6, he says, 
But when, when you pray, you notice how many times he's used that phrase in the last two verses? That's important. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in the secret will reward you. Find a place that you can have a private conversation with God. Yeah, you can pray as groups of people and pray with other people. But Jesus is saying, do not neglect the privacy of you and the prayer of the Father in isolation away from everybody else. Undistracted. You, you, you following that? Pray for each other, pray in groups. But don't let that be the only time you pray. He says that you go into the secret. You don't have to come out of your prayer closet and it doesn't have to necessarily be a closet, okay? Find a isolated place where it's just you and God and it's His voice and your voice and hear from the Father. Because we get in these other things, we're not really praying, we're distracted by everything else. And so He's telling them, isolate yourselves. This is a relational approach. Isolate yourselves and hear from God. Secret prayer is rewarded. It's rewarded. So our reward, our reward, because if, if, if he says the hypocrites have a reward, and then he's saying if you pray in this private, you go into your prayer closet and you pray, God's going to reward you. Here's what the reward is for us. You ready for this? It's not necessary that he answers the prayer. Here's the good news. Listen to this verse. I'm going to read it again. Your father who sees you, isn't that good news? You're not wasting your breath because he meets you in the secret. He sees you. He hears you. That God, who's a relational, personal God, your Father, will reward you. What is the reward? The reward is his presence. Well, God didn't give me what I asked for. He gave you his presence. The fact that he... Per He's got a million, billion other things in the world. I don't know if you've turned on the news. God's got his hands full right now, right? But he wants to hear from you on a personal level. And he promises to meet us in that place. Sometimes it's a quiet place where it's like, I don't hear God talking. Because sometimes God just gets us in this position just so that he's trying to, to get us to hear but the important thing that he's encouraging these disciples is he's encouraging us, get away, isolate yourself, and hear the Father's reward is his presence. If God never gave us another thing, we are blessed beyond measure. And until we understand that, we will never be satisfied in Jesus alone because we'll find satis try to find satisfaction in everything else. You're not going to get satis satisf satisf satisfied in, in vocabulary and you're not going to be satisfied in your job and you're not going to find sat true satisfaction in your family. Those things will make you happy, but the abundance of true joy only comes with recognizing that God is my sustainer. And I'm going to only know that because I have been in the private with him and I have heard him, he has heard me and has seen me. Thank God he's alive. That's prayer. Don't get wrapped up in the formulas. Don't get wrapped up in all that. Get wrapped up in the fact that you have a father who cares and wants to hear you. That's confidence. And it doesn't matter what I say in that room. He sees it. He hears it. He doesn't ignore. So 
When you get into the Old Testament, even the Old Testament tells us when the Israelites were crying in the middle of slavery, God says, he heard their cries. That phrase is repeated all throughout the Old Testament. And you know how we know that thing? Because they say it, it constantly, they write it down, that he heard their cries. Guess what happens in the New Testament? He heard those cries. He sends the answer. He sends his presence to be with his people. And he's given us the same thing. There's a difference. There's a, there's a major difference. Because when you pray like that, it changes everything. When you pray, understanding that he hears you and he sees you, it doesn't matter what the answer to that prayer is. I am just happy that he hears and sees me because I know how bad I am. I know where I was before I found him. I know the struggles to, to continue walking fully in the things that he's called us to do, but it's his presence that meets me. And he says that when we isolate ourselves, Say, our Father, your Father sees you. Jesus says the Father. He said, this is coming from Jesus' mouth, His promise. The Father sees you and hears you. You may feel like He doesn't. You may feel like He's absent. But He hears you and He sees you. And He will answer the prayers in His time in His accordance to His will. And then Jesus gives us another do not. In verse 7, He says, and when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases, depending on what translation you have. If it's an NIV or uh, another one, it may say, do not babble, babbling. Babbling, the, the Greek word there with babbling just means repetition, just saying the same thing over and over and over again. And he says, so when you pray, don't just say the same empty phrases over and over again as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. Did you get that? He not only hears and sees you, here's the good news, he already knows what you need before you even ask. Well, why do I need to ask? Because he said, when you pray, ask and you shall what? You want to know why some of these things aren't happening in your life that you're asking for? Because some of them are selfish, but other ones are because you've never asked. And God's going... I got all these blessings, but they're not even asking because they don't even recognize how good of a father I am. And they won't even meet me in the secret place for me to have this communion. This is the table that we've talked about. This is the table of communion and fellowship with God. And he tells them, don't get, don't get caught up in the rambling. Don't get caught up in the memorization. God is not impressed with repetition. So don't just repeat the same things over and over. Repetition does not move God. Like, well, I heard this same story before. Like, you just keep saying the same thing over and over. Like, I want to know your heart. So in, in verse 7, he tells them, when you pray, don't just heap these empty phrases because they think they're going to be heard for their many words. But in other words, he said, I'm not, I'm not, God's not even listening to that. But I love I love the fact that sometimes we'll equate our length of our prayers with our merit. The longer that we pray, there was this guy growing up in, in the Baptist church. And, um, and it, again, immature middle schoolers. He would start praying and we'd set our timer. Y'all did, some of you did this. And I'd hit the timer and we would snicker and laugh and have bets going back because whoever lost owed somebody else their donut and Mountain Dew that we had in Sunday school. That's, I'm from Dillon uh, County, and in, in the Sunday school, we had donuts and Mountain Dew. 
And uh, then they sent us into big church and couldn't figure out why we couldn't behave. But it, this is probably why we were timing. And this guy would just go on and on and on and on and on and on. He would get six, seven minutes in prayer. And we're like, I don't, even, I don't think God's listening anymore, bro. I think he like tapped out. He didn't want to like just stop. <laughs> like that's what I heard. I heard God say stop. God's not impressed by the length. You're not getting more merit by how, how much you talk. So you go in the secret place and you're like, I don't even know what to say or how long this should be. Don't, why are you putting boundaries on it? Hey, God, I'm here. Now what? I think he's, he can handle that question, don't you? Pretty sure he can handle that question. You don't know what to do? Just say, now what? I, he'll tell you. Because he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to ask. Now, here's the, here's the beauty of this verse. God already knows what you need. That's why you can say, now what? Well, let me tell you what we need to work on here. Let me tell you some areas that we need to convict here. Let me tell you some, some areas that I want to point out and just and, and just point out and help empower you and help tell you that this, this is great. This is keep doing that. Keep working on this. I'm going to put this person in your life. I'm going to put this person on your heart. I'm going to put this thing. I'm going to give you these things. And he's going to give you things to process, to work through, to pray through. And it, it brings... It brings tension to the disciples because God knows, he's saying that God knows what you need, guys, when you pray. God knows. But you still pray and you still meet him in the secret place and we don't let other things come in the way of that. So there's this tension that Jesus wants to address. And I think it's the issue that many of us are too. And it's like we're confronted with this and it's that, that question of why pray? Why pray? And Jesus prayed and he encouraged his followers to pray. So if Jesus is telling us to pray and encouraging the followers to pray, then yes, we should pray. But what are we missing? What are we missing in that? And we're going to run through this real quick. But I want you to understand this. That Jesus completely destroyed the prayer paradigm of these disciples. Everything they thought they knew about prayer, he has just completely thrown a bomb in it, blew it up, and he's speaking to tension. Because Jesus is inviting them into something that's relational, He's inviting them into something that is personal and in something that is non-formulaic. In, in other words, this is personal, this is relational, and there's no special way we do this. We just have a conversation with the Father. Well, we have no problem talking to other people. Just pretend like God is other people because He is your Father. Just talk to Him. Tell Him how good the Chick-fil-A was, Right? You had a bad day in the drive-thru, just tell God that you're just really praying for that person, right? He wants to hear from you. In, in chapter, chapter 6, verse 9, he says this, that when you pray, you, you pray, our Father in heaven, listen to this, hallowed be your name. That's important. Holy is your name is the translation of that. And he says we need to acknowledge who we are addressing when we pray. We are praying to our Father whose name is holy because when I start from that point, I put myself in a position to realize who I am and who he is, Right? So when we, when we pause to reflect on who God is, we gain a better understanding of who we are and why we're here. Our, our Father, there's the relationship. Holy is your name. This prayer is about you. This can, I know who I'm talking to. I now know. This is why we address you know, our teachers with Mr. and Mrs. This is why we address our parents with mom or dad because we know when we say those words, it gives us the... And so by starting at this point of saying our Father 
whose name is holy, we are acknowledging who it is that we're addressing. It puts us in our place. Because we're not just talking to somebody. We're talking to the Father. And then he goes on to tell us this point. And starting in 9, he says that, Pray then like this, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This, this section right here protects us from show-off prayers. Because when we recognize who we're talking to and, and we're asking him for his kingdom to come, guess who this prayer is no longer about? It's not about me. It's about his kingdom. Because it didn't say, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. My kingdom come alongside of yours. My desires come alongside of yours. No, your kingdom come. And whose will? It's not mine. That's why our prayers don't work. I think we pray the wrong way. Because we're trying to get our will to impose on top of God's and take over what His will is. We'll find ourselves in disappointment. Your kingdom come, your will. But what about my family? What about my job situation? What about, what about my thing? I'll take you right back to verse 6 through 8, or, or verse 8, when he says, your father knows. Your father already knows those things. Understand it's his will. He's going to put his will and wrap them around those things. So he says, the purpose of prayer is to, to surrender our will, not to impose it. That's why we start our prayers at our Father. Your name is holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before we ask anything of God, we're basically saying, I want what you want. Whatever you want, God, I want it. And that takes a lot to get there. See, prayer is not about moving God, but being moved by God. It's about allowing Him to move us to a place where we submit to this. We submit to His will. Think about in Luke 22. Jesus says that, hey, not my will. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to die. I mean, if there's another direction. I would have taken the other direction. And Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. If, if this is what you want, I'm willing to go to that cross and I'm willing to suffer that punishment. And so he prays that prayer and submits to the will. And that's where Jesus would find himself. And, and thank God because we hung in the balance of that prayer, of that decision. So Jesus assures us that God knows about our fragile little kingdoms that we have. And he says, I want you to, to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in our families, in our community. May it be on earth as it is in, in heaven. Until our wills get there, what's the point? Because prayer has no point until our will aligns with God's will. We want to do whatever it is that He wants us to do. So I would, I would say it this way, that prayer doesn't begin with asking. Prayer begins with simply recognizing who He is and submitting our wills to His. If those are the focuses in our prayer life, God answers, we, well, listen, He's already answering prayers. We just become way more aware of the prayers that He's answering because it moves us outside of our kingdom into His kingdom. 
And we'll begin our day by surrendering our wills. Like we'll, we'll start out praying, asking God, listen, we're giving you this will. I'm giving you my life today. What is it that you want from me? I'm meeting you in the secret. Because when you agree with me, maybe it's just me, but I'm hoping other people have the same problem. But oftentimes I'll find myself trying to pray myself out of a situation that if I just would have surrendered my will to his, I would not have been praying myself out of that situation. Anybody? Okay, good. We're all sinners in here. But sometimes we'll behave our ways, our way into situations because we did not submit our will to God's will. We decided to just do this our way instead of his way. So does prayer work? Yes. The kind of prayer that Jesus is teaching us. It puts us in our place. Praying like Jesus will determine the length of our prayers. It will determine the length of our prayers will determine the condition of our heart. It's not about length. Remember, Jesus prayed 20 seconds before giving Lazarus his life back, but he prayed all night before laying his life down. In both cases, Jesus already knew the Father's will. And he was aligning his with the Father's. So when we pray, ask yourself, what is keeping me from these words, your will be done? And that's hard because isn't it? we want the person to be healed of the cancer. We want this person to, we want us not to experience hurt that we've picked up somewhere along the way. And then if God doesn't answer it the way that we want it to be answered, we will completely just drop it. And take comfort today in your prayers and going, listen, but that's so difficult to put my will with his. I don't think he understands. Go back to verse eight. He knows your needs. Look at the birds of the air. God provides. We see this whole thing about Jesus and his provision. So this week when you pray, Pray as Jesus instructed. I want you to start with your heavenly Father and you declare this greatness of who He is and surrender your will to what it is that He wants. And that's where it takes faith. Trusting the unseen. But we walk by faith and not by sight. So as we get ready to, we're going to sing, I just want to give you a, a, a prompting. I just want you to spend a few minutes, even during the song, just asking God to identify what's holding you back from surrendering your whole self to Him when it comes to prayer. And if you get the answer to that question, take some more time just processing through, okay? How do I need to structure my time to be able to get into that private prayer with Him? So Father, as we... As we process today, I just pray that our response would be one that we would be listening and aware as you would identify the things that are keeping us from aligning our will with yours. That God, you would break down any idol that we would have in our life that is the control idol, that we have to control everything. And I pray that you would be replaced or put back in the place of that idol, that you would be the one that we go to. You would be the king on the throne. So God, we're listening. Our ears are open. Just convict us and bring obedience to these places. And we pray these things.